Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about New Zealanders living overseas and their ability to buy property over here in New Zealand, buy investment properties here in New Zealand. Now, we've been doing some more webinars over the last couple of weeks, and we've had more and more Kiwis uh, coming from overseas, but being interested in how can I buy investment property back home, back in New Zealand? And initially, I thought, I wonder why that's the case. And then I realised that when I look at my world clock, uh, when we're recording our webinars at 7pm in the evening, it's 4pm in Seoul and South Korea and 3pm in Singapore and Hong Kong. So uh, some people perhaps taking the afternoon off to uh, listen to us. Uh, relatively wise, I'd think, in that case. Um, but that's got us into, into thinking about, well, what are the different rules and uh, between people who are living in New Zealand or living overseas and their ability to get lending from the banks? Now, Andrew, I know you've been thinking about this all afternoon. Give us some of the details. How are the rules different and how are banks treating this? Cool. So I just want to talk firstly about the Overseas Investment Act. So for anyone listening that's living overseas at the moment, if you, if you are a Kiwi, you can still technically own property in New New Zealand, you can still purchase a property in New Zealand. If you're from overseas and you, and you live overseas, then you can't. So you've got to be a New Zealand resident to buy property here in New Zealand with a couple of exemptions. So Australians, we don't mind their money and Singaporeans, we don't mind their money. Uh, so if you're Singap- from Singapore or Australia, absolutely, you still can own property in New Zealand with the exemption of anything that's outside of the Overseas Investment Act. And it's pretty tough to beat that, but there are some small exemptions, but pretty rare so we won't go into that so if you are overseas at the moment and you're either qualified for the exemption or you're or you're a kiwi uh, then you can technically still borrow money here but it's hard. And so I just spoke to Tony Mounts, who's one of the top brokers in the South Island, uh, just to get the lay of the land as of today. And so the maximum, the maximum that you can expect to borrow from a bank is 70% LVR. So you need a 30% deposit, but more commonly, he is seeing it more around the 65%. So pretty low LVR. Having said that, uh, if you've got property overseas where you have equity in that, you can potentially leverage against that property. So what that means is if you're in Australia and you own a, a, an apartment in Melbourne and you only have 50% debt on that, you could go to the bank and ask them for a 30 to 35% loan against that property, send that money over to New Zealand as your cash deposit, and then use that to uh, leverage against the new property you buy in New Zealand. So that is still possible. You still have to meet the Australian bank's criteria. And part of that is they're going to ask what the money's for. It's really important to banks now that they understand the purpose that you're borrowing the money for. And if the purpose is for an investment, they're going to make sure that you can meet their servicing criteria. And it's their servicing criteria, not the New Zealand banks. Then you come to New Zealand and you've got to pass their their tests as well. Now, there's some other complexities around the the testing of of servicing. So if you're living overseas, they look at your income uh, converted to New Zealand dollars, and they use a pretty conservative calculation there, and then they scale it back. So the same as when they do with rental income, they scale it back uh, and and they use between 60, more commonly, and 90%. So if you're an Australian you're more likely to get 90% of your income used in New Zealand dollars. Uh, if, if, you're, uh, if you're from, say, Hong Kong, 
On the other hand, it's more likely to be closer to 60% or 70%. So they really bring that down. And then, of course, remember, it's on the test rate and on a principal and interest loan, even if it's for investment purposes. And Andrew, is that because, is the difference between uh, currencies there or countries, is that because of currency and currency fluctuations that we don't expect to see as much fluctuation between the Australian and New Zealand dollar? Yeah, that's probably the biggest part of it. So the, the stability of, of uh, the, the currency, um, because if, if you have a major change in, in the in the relation New Zealand dollar and say the US dollar, then that affects someone's servicing ability. So they want to protect against that. And certainly there have been cases a number of years ago where the New Zealand dollar weakened and, and we were getting uh, loans from overseas. So you get a Hong Kong dollar loan, for example. All of a sudden, the Hong Kong dollar uh, outperformed New Zealand, and people were uh, were paying a huge amount uh, on their on their mortgage. And, and then the the, the bank was do, do, basically doing call ups and asking people to pay down their loans which was very stressful for people and actually I'm pretty sure that I remember Mouncey telling me that um, I think he might have even had some loans like that at that stage when he was working at the BNZ and he said it was very 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 stressful for him um, uh, now the remember this is the normal banks um, the, the non-bank lenders they uh, will allow you to do a little bit more in some cases. Uh, you still, again, have to meet the Overseas Investment Act, so it's not like the LVR restrictions that only apply to banks, uh, where you can, you, you know, you can borrow more money from, from say, ResiMac. Uh, you still have to meet the Overseas Investment Act. If you don't, you're not getting money from ResiMac either. Um, but for one case of on Mounts' clients, he got from ResiMac. Uh, 80% on uh, three rental properties, so 80, 80, 80, which was pretty good. Uh, to be able to get 80% on three rental properties is hard enough when you're a Kiwi, let alone for an overseas person. Now, just the disclaimer there, it was an Australian, he was a, a high-paid job, uh, it was very strong, so it wasn't it wasn't a high risk, and so that's why they took that on. But ResiMac are absolutely uh, doing uh, stuff outside of the box, uh, then, then, oh, sorry, it was an, an English accountant. An English accountant, uh, he got a ResiMac one. No, no, sorry, that was a different case. An English accountant got one from ResiMac as well, uh, and that was at 70%. And so, yeah, there is still the ability to do that. Um, ResiMac's interest rate, just uh, just so we cover that off, is about 3.39% at the moment, so it's pretty reasonable. It's Yes, it's higher than a, a normal bank, um, or, or, or a bank, sorry, but it's still pretty affordable, and if you're buying a rental property, hopefully the tenant's paying for all of that anyway. And the big question as well for anybody overseas is, well, what's the alternative as well? We do know that the New Zealand, or parts of New Zealand, I should say, parts of New Zealand have really strong fundamentals in terms of high demand, relatively high incomes. And when I say high demand, I mean high demand for housing, limited supply of land, limited supply of properties. And so there are some really good fundamentals. So even though you can't leverage to the full extent that you could as then if you were in New Zealand, then it may still add up as a really good investment. And in fact, there's one we often talk about uh, an upper hut. I think it was one of the the, the uh, case studies that we used in one of our recent webinars, Andrew, of somebody, it was one of your clients living in Macau. Do you remember Do you remember who I'm talking about? Mm, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. And, and I think the property went up by something like 300K over over the course of a four-year period that they owned it while living over, over in Macau, came back and was really stoked when they, they found out that the GV, they got sent a, a letter from the, the Hutt City Council uh, saying that that their properties, uh, the new GV for their property was, was about 300K higher than what they originally purchased it for over four years. So if you are living overseas, property can still work for you. you 
perhaps can't leverage it as much. Perhaps there are a few more hoops to jump through, but it's definitely still possible. So if you if you're keen to do that, even if you think you might come back to New Zealand uh, at some point and want to own some property here, then it's still achievable. You're just going to want somebody on the ground as well who can ha- actually help you do it and execute on that strategy properly. And certainly that's what we're seeing a lot of at the moment. A lot of inquiry from overseas people, uh, Kiwis overseas, who are planning on moving back in a number of years, uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, even a friend of mine actually called me the other day purely because uh, her, her husband's a pilot and and and, and she's uh, working part-time at the moment and because obviously his income is a lot more uncertain than it was uh, three months ago, uh, there's a possibility they'll move back from, um, from Doha to New Zealand sooner and so now they're looking at more properties over here. And even though we'd always recommend not to, to put make uh, property investment an emotional decision, I totally understand why. Look, if worst come to, it comes to worst, you could move back to New Zealand, kick your tenants out of the property and live in it yourself if you really had to. And I understand why people really like that kind of certainty. But of course, look, if you would like one of our Property Academy mugs, these are the official mugs of the Property Academy podcast, then you can get one absolutely for free. Andrew and I will lovingly package it up and send it uh, ourselves. Uh, all we ask why you not to- supplied? <laughs> All we will ask you to do, however, is to take our podcast survey. We really want to understand how we can create the best show possible for you guys uh, and what we should do, what we can improve on. So if you would like to do that, go to opuspartners.co.nz slash pod survey, or I'm going to link this up in the show notes, tap swipe over that cover art, uh, click the link, it'll take you right there. Uh, just seven questions, we've tried to make them fun, and once you get to the end, you'll be able to put in your address and we will send you your property account me mug of course please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the show we really do appreciate your support and it does help us get the message out to more and more people thanks for listening to the property academy podcast i'm your host ed mcknight and i'm andrew nickel and we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the new zealand property market until next time 